Hello and welcome to the Roxine Queens podcast. As you know, this is a podcast celebrating the badass women of the alternative rock industry. I'll just warn you, this episode was a phone interview, so I apologise for any technical glitches. I've worked as hard as I can to keep them minimal. This episode's guest is fresh from a recent tour around the UK and has been a vocalist and songwriter from around a decade. I'm excited to share Jenna McDougall from Tonight Alive's episode of Roxine Queens. I'll let her introduce herself properly. My name's Jenna. I'm a singing Tonight Alive. We're from Sydney, Australia. We've been a band for 10 years this May. And we call our genre conscious rock. We used to call ourselves pop punk when we were coming up through high school, but really that was just because we loved Blink and pop punk basically and the Warped Tour scene and stuff. So we were just attached to that concept. But the more albums that we wrote, we realised that people were really connecting with the message in our music, which is self-empowerment. So what I like to say on stage is that we stand for personal power and emotional freedom. So I'm always encouraging our fans to embark on the journey of self-improvement and healing and introspection and stuff like that. And that's what our lyrics are about and that's what the speeches I make on stage are about. And it just kind of become apparent that the sound of the music was only, you know, maybe not even 50% of what attracts people to our band. So I think that's a little bit of... All right. I read some stuff, some tweets from some people about you after the London gig and a lot of people were saying how touching the gig was, like mm. from the moments that you delivered speeches and stuff like that. And that sounds really beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, that's always a really cool thing to go online. And, uh, you know, I always read my Instagram comments. I'm not one of those people that's it's so arrogant to say, like, I have time for that. I do want to know what people um, feel and what they experience through our music. And it, from last night, we played in Glasgow and a lot of people were sort of saying, I needed that. Like, thank you. I'm, I'm taking how I felt at the show with me beyond the venue. And that's kind of what we really encourage every night. It's, it's good to encourage, like, a connection with emotions and everyone's mm-hmm. mental well-being as well. It's so important these absolutely. days. I think people forget. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, like, it's been big for me as well to realise that I'm not an entertainer, like, I'm, or not, at least not just an entertainer. And the entertaining aspect of being, like, a performer is, is the byproduct of accepting yourself authentically. So that's um, that's the approach that I'm taking now as, as someone in my mid-20s who's, like, I'm evolving as an artist and I'm seeing that it, I don't have to jump around and yell in people's faces if I don't mean it. So. I understand that. Like oh, nothing is just perfect, yeah. yeah. So that was wonderfully deep, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you could expect lots more of that from me. Uh, no, I love it. I love it. That is the best thing about music is the emotional depth and the passion, right? That's what I love about it. So it, mm-hmm. it's good to hear it in this interview. Thank you. Okay, reining it back in with a really traditional question for you. Mm-hmm. How and when mm-hmm. did you first get into music? Um, I was singing as a child all the time. I was always putting on like a um, shows for my family, with my sister and my cousins, we'd always perform. It's always kind of in my nature. Um, and then, like, as a teenager, it becomes, like, a necessity to really express yourself. Otherwise, you know, you're suffocated by, like, transitions of puberty and stuff like that and trying to find your place in the world and trying to create an identity for yourself. So, yeah, I was in choir in school and, like, did theatre and stuff like that and, I started learning guitar when I was 10 and writing songs from about 11. And, yeah, I mean, obviously I don't remember any of those songs and I don't think they would have been any good. But, like, it started with poetry and stuff like that and, you know, writing in your journal. And um, I was a deeply emotional and highly sensitive um, teenager. Like, I was, I don't know, I was always, up, like, not always upset. Like, I was actually a really, really happy 
teenager too. I loved high school. Like I actually had the best time. Um, but I would cry every day as well. So it was like I was on a constant roller coaster. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of – I don't know if that describes my journey with music, but we started um, Tonight Alive the day before I turned 16. So, yeah, it was quite early, really. Like I was playing drums in my high school like, concert band and stuff like that at the time and then yeah, got an electric guitar for my birthday when I was 13. I was super invested. It was my thing. Like it was my identity in high school and, and, and beyond, obviously. I was wondering – if there were any inspirations that made you want to become a vocalist, whether these are people or musicians you look up to? Um, it's hard to like put a finger on that because just when you well, at least when I was a kid, I was just always singing like everything. The lyrics were really important to me with music. Like it's funny, like I don't see I don't see that it doesn't stand out to me, but like other people say, Oh, it's so interesting how you pick up on the lyrics or how you like interpreted interpreted that and it's like, oh, that's like the first thing I hear is the vocals. So, yeah, as a kid I was always singing along to stuff. And I actually remember being a child and having Aretha Franklin in my dad's car, like Freedom and Think and all her sort of like <laughs> kind of like feminist in a way, but like in really empowered female vocals. And, yeah, and I would try and sing along to that, but obviously not having the power and range of experience singer, like it was really difficult. And I remember when Anastasia's song I'm Out of Love came out, I was always trying to reach those notes. I never could. Oh. And then Christina Aguilera, same thing. Um, like Beautiful and the song from Milan, I think it's called Reflections, maybe. I guess I was always striving to become better, like even like before I was 10 years old. So maybe th- those are three pretty powerhouse singers. Probably did influence that, that drive a lot. Was there a point when you were in Tonight Alive after you were 16 or maybe younger, when you were like, I know this is what I want to do with my life? Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, once I decided it, there was nothing else after that. And so I think especially I the years before Tonight Alive, I was writing songs and playing acoustic guitar and doing council gigs and stuff. So I play youth centres and like local fairs and stuff like that. So I always was really connected to that and loved I loved being on stage. And before Tonight Alive, I always had a guitar in my hand. So it would have been in my early teens, yeah, that I sort of made that call. And I remember everyone always saying to me, what's your backup plan? What's your plan B? And all this kind of stuff. And I was like, I don't have one. Like, I'm not interested. And, you know, I actually saw a quote that Will Smith said the other day, which was like, um, plan B is distract from plan A. So um, that's per- that's exactly what my thoughts were that whole time. And it was almost offensive every time someone said it. It was like, why don't you go on Australian Idol? Australian's got talent. And it's like, no, I, you know, there, there was definitely a point where I was young and, you know, waiting to turn a certain age so that you could audition. But I want, you know, I, once I was into my life, I wasn't interested in doing anything else. And I, it actually had me leaving school before I finished my senior year because I was like so invested and so ready for everything. And we just, we just dove in we were, like head first to the whole thing. And it seemed to have worked. Yeah, I'm really glad that I'm glad my parents let me leave school because that year we, we got signed and we went to America and made our first record and then we started touring internationally. So like it all happened as soon as we sort of opened ourselves to it. 
and said, like, this is it and I'm committed and I'm devoted and kind of attracted that in, I guess. Some people know, like, it's not like I had that in a knowing, but I just felt like nothing else matters to me and I'll do everything. And it's not even like I'll do everything to become huge and famous and rich and successful. It wasn't like that. It was just like I uh, – and it wasn't even words. It wasn't even verbalised. It was just like a um, – it's always karmic, I think, in that situation where if you know you're meant to do something, you get taken along for the ride and, like, people look after you. Um, and, and, you know, teachers come to you and, like, um, yeah, the whole thing is just meant to be. What is the favourite part of what you do, if you could choose? Well, yeah, the first thing that comes to mind is, like, obviously being on stage. And further than that, it's kind of like this moment where when I put my mic out and I ask the crowd to sing something or even if I just gestured that I want them to sing it instead of me. And when they sing louder than I could have possibly expected them to, I get chills like come up my neck and onto my face and over the top of my head and it's like so far out because there's no other time in my life that I'll get that sensation there's nothing that no one has ever said um or that I've ever seen that gives me that reaction so like being on stage and having a physical um yeah response to seeing people that excited and um enthusiastic about a lyric that I wrote that they connect with so deeply. That that's my that's seriously my the favorite my favorite thing about this whole thing. Would you say that rock music is still a predominantly male industry? Oh uh, yeah, it definitely is. I mean when you look at music labels and things like that, but a really cool thing, um, actually with UNFD in Australia with eighty percent of the offices run by women and same thing with hopeless. I think it's like seventy percent of hopeless in America the office is, is female and it's really cool and it's evolving and you know, there's more female fronted bands or members with female, sorry, um, bands with female members and there's a lot more conversation about it and there's a lot more education available and I think that our scene is evolving for sure. It is definitely, I mean, I'm, I'm here today and my sister's come out because she lives in England now and our photographer is female but, um, you know, I'll be around like 60 men that are working on a show per day. You know, they're in the bands or the crew or they work at the venue. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, I'm used to it completely, but it's completely imbalanced. Um, But yesterday at the venue in Glasgow, the head of security was a woman. So it's it's like, it's just, um, it's changing here and there. And I think it's cool that it's a conversation that people are having and, but my stance is more, I come from a more, like, loving and compassionate point of view. Like, I think um, there can be a lot of hate and criticism towards men. And I think in a lot of places, like, that is justified, not necessarily hate, but criticism and stuff like that. But for me, like, I think healing needs to happen for both sexes, both genders, and I think a lot of the problems that women face are because men were never allowed. Um, they were never allowed to express themselves or be emotional, be sensitive, and they, that wasn't encouraged. And I think that that hardness, yeah, like that leaves an impression on women feeling that we need to be hard and we need to, um, yeah, that's something I am trying to soften myself now because, like, 
I had to always put my chin up and my shoulders back to feel strong enough to walk into a room like full of men like every single day or you know, stuff like that and not being taken seriously or being asked like what are you doing here in the bed here? Like, oh well, okay. <laughs> um yeah, so I don't know, I just think taking a sweeter approach and allowing people to um be be their authentic original self before the conditioning happened. Is like a big thing that's going to help not just the music scene but the whole world. That whole positive approach is a really refreshing way of looking at it, I think. It's not easy. It's definitely some days more challenging than others. Like when the security guard was like really bossy with me and like telling me I couldn't like come in a certain way. I had to turn around and go back the other way and then be checked in and stuff like this. And he was really aggressive and I was like, I went into a mode of, like, I'm not listening to this because I have, like, an authority problem. And I'm like, I just, you're not speaking my language and you're being too aggressive. And, you know, that situation, like, if I'd been in a different headspace, maybe I could have said, hi, like, actually, could you just explain it to me a little bit more, like, concisely so that I can understand why you're telling me what to do? Like, why should I listen? Like, give me a good reason to listen, you know? Yeah, um, yeah it's day-to-day things. And I think awareness just goes a long way. Totally does. I think so. On the same kind of tangent, a few musicians working in the rock industry that I've read about recently say that they often, in the media especially, don't want to be seen as female, just musicians. What would your take be on that? Do you kind of agree that we should see female performers as, like, ungendered? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, it's definitely an annoying question. Like, what's it like being a girl in a band and what's it like being like a minority and um you know calling us female fronted and it's like yeah like I guess because because it is something that we're just trying to create more awareness for and stuff like that I mean I just don't think it's necessary we don't say male fronted and stuff like that but it seems to be a talking point it gives people a reason to pay attention which is sometimes a really good thing but if we never get called a female fronted band again I'd be happy but I don't, I don't have the biggest problem with it in the world because I understand that that's something that actually people get excited about. Oh, the female friend that I, I want to know what she has to say because if you are in a male-dominated industry and stuff like that, she must have had some kind of hardship. So, like, let's hear her out or let's, let's check out the music. And, like, you, you know, you often go to that assumption that to be a female in music or in rock would mean you have to be quite an empowered person and that is like that is interesting and that is educational for some people so it goes both ways i have to agree because when i see female artists especially rock musicians i'm pretty empowered by that is it powerful to be seen as a woman in the rock industry right now it's totally powerful <laughs> and people love it and like it needs i don't mind the attention being drawn to that actually because i do have something to say and i do stand for something and um, I do take my role seriously and I do think that I um, I have a, I'm in a position to be of influence and I take that very seriously and I believe in having a positive message and I want to, to help people change their lives. So I think I don't, I wouldn't want to dull it down. I mean, especially in Australia, I know that the radio station Triple J, like I think they were doing a whole week or maybe a whole day of just only only female artists and only female presenters and all that stuff was like sort of the conversation being 
directed in that way. And, um, and you know, with the last tour we did in Australia, we only had um, bands of female members supporting us in each different city. It was a different band. And, um, we plan to keep doing it that way, and I think Paris is doing the same thing. And I think I think we're, we're still in early stages where grouping together and having a conversation and being branded in that way is, is not a negative thing at this point. Um, yes, like people are probably trying to unshackle themselves from being identified by their gender and stuff like that. But I, I don't know. I, I think we're not there yet. And it's like, let's just like be patient, not patient, but like, let's just be a little bit more forgiving and like, um, and realize that we're part of something that's going to take a long time to change. And um, yeah, these are kind of, we're taking baby steps right now. That's a very valid point. It was an interesting thing you said on shackling yourself. I think until like there is progress, I don't mm-hmm. think we should be ungendered, but that's me personally. There's probably not much I would argue with on the point, to be honest, because like, I'm quite open-minded about the whole thing. And I know that it just depends on what type of person you are as to what speaks to you. So um, yeah, I don't know. The only thing is I wouldn't get offended about it. Like. I think I think it's a waste of energy to get offended because that's just the ego talking. So if everyone's intention is just to educate and to create awareness and to you know, spread empowerment, then I think that's um, that's a good thing. What do you think one of the most important elements of being in a band is? Like for people that are looking maybe to join a band, what would you say is something good to look out for? Um, there's heaps of different angles I could take on that answer, but what I'll say is like be authentic. Don't do something because you think it's going to be successful. Don't do something because you've seen someone else do it. And um, don't do anything that you think is going to impress another person. I would just, I think the the best music out there um, is is when you can tell that the artist is being authentic in themselves and just um, being honest and truthful. I, I love that. Like stops me in my tracks because there's so much bullshit. There's so much commercial like designed music that's like scientifically catchy and like honestly so brainwashing as well lyrically and um, visually and stuff like that it's like it's really messing up people by that world and just in general it kind of messes the listener up but like um I think if you can channel something that's deep and true and honest um it doesn't have to be like world changing, life changing, revolutionary lyrics or music. I think it's just like come from a place that's real and give people a chance to connect with that rather than, you know, oversaturating the world with with more of the same. Yeah. Would you say that's one of the best bits being a lyricist? Like uh being able to write and get that sort of uh information out to large audiences to empower people and stuff or to address yeah. the personal? that's important to me and like I've always been mindful of the listener when I write music. I, I also admire um, lyricists that aren't mindful of the listener and you know they're not afraid to offend anybody and they're not afraid to be too confronting. I also really really enjoy that. Uh, I don't write like that but um, I'm always trying to create a silver lining and a solution for people so it's definitely Again, like coming back to conscious rock, like that's such a huge part of Tonight Alive and a part of me. And yeah, it's one of my favorite things about being a lyricist is that opportunity to express myself, but also to affect people in a positive way. I've been stalking your Instagram. I'm sorry about that, but I guess any researcher would. 
Hopefully you found something cool on there. I did. I saw you having a bit of a stretch before um, a performance. I think you labelled it two minute cool and you looked like you were doing yoga and stuff. So I was wondering, Uh do you have a certain routine you do before you go on stage? Um, The only thing I do consistently is warm my voice up. But like I've become a bit lazy with um, the routine of the whole thing. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like you'll see, especially Maddie, spending a lot of time warming up and doing rudiments and stuff like that and using heat gel and things on his arms. Um, I could definitely be in a bit more of a disciplined routine. And I actually went to a sports therapist recently who gave me a bunch of exercises and stretches that are pretty crucial for me to be doing for the type of um, performance that we do. But, um, yeah, if we've got a nice dressing room with music on and there's a bit of an atmosphere, but it's not always the case if you're playing a club show that has a bit of a cupboard for a dressing room. Yeah, because I just thought it was really interesting because I was like, my gosh, if you're a vocalist, a lot of vocalists that really get into it, like jump around, they're like climbing stuff. And I'm like, that is that must be exhausting athletically. Like you must have to warm up beforehand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely just try to stretch my neck and my spine and my legs because I do jump around a lot and I throw my neck around a lot as well. And I've definitely created a lot of injuries and damage. Uh, yeah, I I need to sort of look after myself a little better, I think. That is fair enough. And I guess on the same sort of strain, I know that um, artists, when they go touring, they say incredible things, they experience incredible things. But also I've heard on the grapevine, it can be incredibly hard work being in a confined space with sort of the same sort of people. And sometimes I've heard it can be quite boring. So I was wondering, how do you maintain uh, or improve your mental health out on the road? What do you personally do to make yourself feel better oh man like it's definitely something that's prevalent for me right now like um those moments that I'm like you know what I can't do this today like um and a lot of the time it's just kind of like the show must go on so it's like yeah using meditation apps for me has been useful I like doing yoga nidra which is a type of meditation where you're you're in a dream state but it's conscious so they call it the sleepless dream state um, so you're fully aware of the relaxation you can feel as if you're asleep. It's pretty amazing. It's kind of like hypnotherapy in a way. So you do that and try and get out to like, you know, maybe even if it happens once on a tour, but go to a yoga class and get to a gym and or a steam room or a bathhouse, stuff like that, which sounds luxurious, but honestly, like, because his life is so deprived of luxury, in a way, honestly, I think I, I believe that. Um, to have that once, every two weeks or something like that is is the same as having like a long hot shower at home or like a good sleep in or just a really nourishing home cooked meal so you kind of just have to show yourself gestures in that way that say hey body i'm looking after you hey mind i'm looking after you hey soul i'm looking after you like whether that's going and getting acupuncture or or reiki therapy or like even just going to a crystal shop and just being around good energy yeah you just kind of have to like consciously make that effort and you know thing is, like, you're not always in a position to do that. Like, sometimes it's, it's so much, honestly, it is so much easier to just be depressed and just to be in your bunk all day in the dark until you absolutely have to get up and do your makeup and go to meet and grit. And, like, it's easier to do that, but you feel so shit for it. So there has to be a level of, like, diligence and discipline. Um, if you want to stay mentally healthy to be honest. That that makes total sense. You've got to make an effort, I guess, in mm-hmm. everything, not just your mental health. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to, yeah, I'm like actually reading a book about that at the moment, about how you have to take responsibility. You can't 
expect wins without without turning up for yourself you know yeah I I have to agree with that you have to make an effort isn't it otherwise you don't get things done ever (laughs) yeah and I'm not really like that to be honest I'm not like I don't like the grind I don't appreciate the grind I just I like the flow so that can that can be to my detriment sometimes what is something that you've recently learned on tour that you might just want to share with listeners um, it's very general. It's okay to say no. It's okay to say I can't do it today. Um, we had a press day in New York, and it was like getting up at seven to do my makeup after I slept for like five hours because it was such a rough ride. I woke up with anxiety. I woke up with my heart racing, and I just I went to the bathroom and put the lights on to start doing my makeup. And I just was like, no, I can't. I don't feel like putting on, literally putting on a face and then going and being in front of the camera and talking about things that are really important. Um, and I don't want to be in that headspace while I do that. And it's like, you don't want to let people down. You don't want to disappoint. Um, and you also don't want to explain yourself if you don't feel like you're going to be understood. But we're coming to an understanding in our band where we know that those days are going to happen. And like, we're being, I don't know, we're, Things are changing. So, like, that's something I've learned on this tour. Um, and part of that is also feeling safe to express those needs and having them answered. You know, we've got a new tour manager who, who that day was like, it's absolutely fine. It doesn't matter. I'm getting you a hotel. Go and remove yourself for the day. Have a bath. Look after yourself. Come back and do the show later when you're ready. Yeah, I've never had that. We've never even had that conversation before in our band and until this year. And I think that's probably something to do with being on the fourth record and being in the tenth year and recently going through a member change and stuff like that. It's like, it you know, we have to be easier on ourselves than we used to be. I don't like I told you, I don't like the grind. So, um, just expressing your needs and and you know, even if they weren't, even if those needs weren't understood, just knowing that it's okay and you have to do what's right for you. That's very very true, and I have to agree with you on that one. I think lots of my friends forget to put themselves first and it drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you see them suffer and it's like, what was it all for? Yeah. The idea, like the misconception that you have to do everything the way that looks best or that is going to be not judged on, you know, things that aren't challenging. Like, it's not worth it. So that was Jenna from Tonight Alive. She is lovely and I hope her experiences and advice will prove useful to you, especially for an aspiring musician. Thank you so much for listening. You can get in touch via our Tumblr page, roxinequeenspodcast.tumblr.com. Also, if you can subscribe, feel free to do so. It will make finding the podcast way easier for you. See you next time.